So what's the shortest sermon in the Bible? Do you know? You have any guess? You want to get out those pew Bibles and search for it? You know, where can you find the shortest, briefest sermon in the Scriptures? Well, you can look if you want, or you can use your cell phones. I know you can all multitask, right? In fact, if you want to look, you can text it to this number right here. Here's my number. Uh, so, good luck. Or should I say, may the Holy Spirit guide you as you search for answers. Now, don't, you know, don't be on your phones too long. Uh, otherwise, you know, you'll miss what I'm trying to say to you. Now, it looks like most of us here, most of us here, are parents. Isn't it funny how quick we are to judge other people's parenting? I mean, parents who spank their kids are considered abusive. Parents who don't spank their kids are seen as weak. Co-sleeping, homeschooling, kids who won't eat anything but chicken nuggets. Everyone's got an opinion about what makes the next parent a bad one. So how is it possible then that 13 kids can be found padlocked to their beds, nearly starving to death in a modest tract home in sunny Riverside, California? And the home I'm referring to was sandwiched between two other homes only a few feet apart from each other. Where was the parent police all those years the kids were prisoners in their own home? You'd have to go back several decades, but there was a time when the American suburbs were a place where community meant everything. Welcome wagons, kids playing unsupervised all day long in cul-de-sacs, block parties, Tupperware parties, cocktail parties, birthday parties, you know. Now it seems our suburbs have taken on the qualities the inner cities had where people kept mostly to themselves, indoors, and didn't involve each other in their lives. I believe that's how 13 kids can be held prisoners in, in their own homes. Nobody wants to get involved. Of course, it doesn't help that the Turpin family I've been referring to were severe recluses. Well, that doesn't help either. But I know what it's like. When I come home tired from a full day's work, I just want to chill out, watch TV, you know, sort through the day's junk mail, figure out what's for dinner, and before you know it, it's time to go to bed. And you do it all over again the next day. Seven years go by, and you still don't know the people's names that live next door to you. Perhaps my neighbors think I'm a recluse. I don't know. When you're a Christian, when you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're his follower, you're called by him to live a different way than the rest of the world and to do certain things. Love your neighbor, right? I mean, that's common knowledge even to most, uh, even to non-Christian people. Uh, Loving your neighbor as yourselves, the golden rule, right? Do unto others as they would, you would want them to do unto, unto you. It's in the Bible, it's love your neighbors as yourselves, as Christ loves you and me. Something to, something to think about. We can also think about Jonah. You know, when we read the Bible or, or hear parts of it read to us, we sometimes wonder whose shoes we might place ourselves in in the story. I would think any of us could place ourselves into Jonah's shoes. I mean, there aren't a lot of other people in the story. <laughs> you know, Jonah is a popular 
uh, children's book of the Bible because, you know, you have the fish or the whale and Jonah gets swallowed up and spit out and, you know, that's fun and, and it's kind of bizarre too. But it's a true story that really happened so that people of all ages and generations would know God and particularly what kind of God He is. In those days, God would come directly to people that He chose to make them His prophets and speak to other people through them. Today, God speaks to us through His Word. And He still calls us to do things and we often run the other way, like Jonah. Or stay indoors and not get involved. Thankfully, there was forgiveness for Jonah and there's forgiveness for us. You see, the bigger picture in Jonah is not just that Jonah turns and obeys and is an example of what to do. The bigger thing here is the kind of God we have. Yes, he gets angry. Yes, he wants faithful people. Yes, he warns and threatens. But yes, he also relents and forgives. He holds back his anger and his wrath. In Jonah, he did this by not carrying out the destruction he said he was going to do. He changed his mind based on the people's action. He cared, he loved, and he preserved life. My friends, God has done this for you and for me and for our neighbors through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the payment for our sin when we neglect or don't care or let others die even kill. While we deserve death for breaking God's commandments, Jesus died in our place on the cross. So see, God relents and holds back His anger and wrath because His Son took all that for you. Now in His forgiveness, we're given the power through His Holy Spirit to love Him and our neighbor and do the things He would have us to do, like making more disciples baptizing people so that they get saved too, visiting the sick and the lonely and those in prison, feeding the hungry, clothing people, and encouraging and fighting for life rather than death. So, anybody text me anything yet? What's the shortest sermon in the Bible? No, he wept is the shortest phrase in the Bible, I think. I'm talking about a sermon. Yeah, uh, like law and gospel. I'll give you a hint. It's in your reading from in your service folder. Any guesses now? Jonah, right. (laughs) Particularly which verse? There it is, Myrna. Okay, yes, that is the shortest sermon in the Bible. And it seems like all law, which in this case it is. But of course the gospel follows it uh, in the verses that, that come. Yes, so Jonah 3. Verse 10, the shortest sermon in the Bible. Uh, Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown or overturned is another way that you could uh, translate that or, or look at it. Jonah hoped that Nineveh would be overturned in destruction. Instead, the city was overturned in repentance and faith. You know, crying out to God that they were sorry for losing track of him for so long and then believing he was still their God and could forgive them. Actually, Nineveh's a pretty interesting city. Uh, you know, these weren't Hebrew people. 
these weren't Israelites. But they did have uh, some knowledge of the Hebrew God and the Hebrew way of life, uh, having living so close to the kingdom of, of uh, Israel. Uh, but anyways, they were willing to, they were willing to trust in, in this God of the Hebrews, and they were forgiven. They were right. You know, they did the right thing. God overturned his decision for destruction and gave them, these pagan or, or Gentile people, mercy and compassion. Nothing more about Jonah is heard after that. God has and is the final word in this book of the Bible. Much to learn from Jonah about ourselves and God and how he deals with us. Jonah had a precious opportunity to tell the people of Nineveh what God had in mind for them, but his heart wasn't in it. Jonah didn't seem to care or understand the extent of God's concern for people who had lost their trust and faith in God and he hoped that he'd wipe them out. We have the immense privilege of sharing God's law, you know, his warning for the world that if you don't know Jesus, your prognosis for eternal life is not what you think it is. You know, how many of you have seen the, the latest Star Wars movie? Okay, yeah, I love Luke Skywalker's line in this latest Star Wars movie, movie where he tells Ray, this isn't going to go the way you think. Oh, you could apply that to so many things in life. There are people we know and care about in our community, even our own families, who think things are going to go a certain way when they depart this world, but if they don't know Jesus, it isn't going to go the way they think. We also have the immense privilege of sharing God's gospel, His good news to the world, that knowing Jesus and trusting that He is who He says He is, the doorway to heaven, and the only way to God the Father and life that lasts forever is theirs too for the taking. May our Lord reveal to you and me every opportunity to bring this good news of saving grace from God to others, no matter who they are, and to take it into our hearts and to believe it for ourselves even more so that we are empowered, emboldened, and strengthened in every good way. Amen. May the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.